It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we bring you the latest OU football news, including Brent Venables challenging OU fans, and we break down OU's defensive line. We finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, April 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Riverwind will be featuring live music and local food trucks every month starting in May for the Beats and Bites Festival. Performers include the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary, If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, how we doing, man? Good weekend? Fantastic weekend. Couldn't have been better. It was, uh, weather was, I mean, windy, but we're used to that. But otherwise, awesome. I'm with you. I, I will take warm. I'll take warm and windy. As opposed to cold and windy. All day. All All day day long. Okay, so let's get right to the OU football stuff. The Sooners now have nine practices under their belt. Is that right? Nine? Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Which seems like a very, very tiny amount, doesn't it? Nine practices. Nine practices, but I guarantee you, you ask those players, it feels like a lot. Oh, yeah. Especially, oh, yeah. especially with the way that they're practicing with how physical it has been, you know, always in full pads, like getting after it, basically all practice long. I, I loved, you know, BV's presser at the end of the week. I, I loved what he said about approaching 
every drill, like every single thing throughout the practice with game-like focus, game-like intensity. And I, I think that it's probably taken the players a little bit to get used to that, but I think they're starting to understand, like he always talks about the standard, right? And whether you want to say that's a, you know, an Alabama thing or it was a Clemson thing, I don't care. Like that's, that's how BV phrases it. But I think the players from the sound of it, like they are, they're, they're starting to settle into their new reality. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Everything there is, everything's more difficult, but it's not just more difficult for no reason. There's, there's a reason behind absolutely everything that they do, whether it's how you dress, whether it's, um, you know, if you're injured, you're in full pads over standing on the sideline and not participating. I mean, every little detail, there's a rhyme and a reason to it. And you're right. I, I think that the things that he has said and kind of hammered home, it's not easy. It's never easy to switch or change whenever that change is more difficult than it was before. Right. And the results for that change are way down the road. Right. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to see, but, um, haven't been any pushback for the most part. You've had a, a really good group of guys that have accepted it and, you know, taken that challenge. Yeah. So, Brent Venables, he straight up called out the fan base, right? Everyone's seen the clip by now. And if you haven't seen it, go find it. But I, I loved what he did. And it's kind of what we've been saying on here. But I, I kind of love the way that he framed it, right? Because he has, he has the same expectations for everyone involved with this program, whether that's coaches, players, support staff, Fans, I mean, everyone, and best is the standard is what he continues to say, and you, you got to show up, and how you show up matters was one of the things that he said, and I, I continue to think that there is going to be a massive crowd at the spring game because make no mistake about it, if you're an OU fan, Brent Venables has pretty much called you out and said, and I know that there are certain circumstances where some people can't be there. I understand that. And I understand that flights are really expensive right now. I get that. So I get there are, there are monetary reasons. There are conflicts that people have. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you don't show up or anything like that. But if, if you're going to expect the players and the coaching staff to constantly give their best. I love how BV put it. Like, that's what he expects from the fans. He expects their best, and it, it makes a lot of sense. He, he knows what fans expect from him. He knows what the fans expect from the players. And just like the fans expect the players to be great, Venables expects OU fans to be great. So April 23rd, 3 p.m. Ted, I guess we'll see. Yeah, if I uh, if I don't die before then, <laughs> Let's, I'm hacking I, like crazy over here. You see are you this? okay, man? People that Woo. watch this on YouTube are going to be really worried about you. That was the man. streak of sneeze, cough, sneeze, cough, sneeze. And I feel like it's not over yet. So uh, so watering eyes. Yeah, 
Woo. Three, two, one. Um, yeah, I like everything that he said. I, I think that is now there's times whenever a coach may ask something of a fan base and the fan base may, you know, rightfully so eye roll at the uh, at the ask. Right. And I don't think you can continually ask more and more and more from the fans without showing a little bit more on on their end. And I think that there's plenty of that going on. I think the fans will be more than happy to respond to this thing. I think it's exciting. Um, I think, I I don't know exactly what the quote was, but it was something like how you do something is how you do everything. Uh, There was that type of phrase. So, and and that goes for everyone. It goes for uh, the players, the staff, the fans. Like if we're going to say we're the best, We can't just have the best game day atmosphere. We got to have the best spring game atmosphere. We got to have the best tailgate. We got to, I mean, it's, it's everything. So I don't know. I, I just, I love the message and here's the thing. I don't know that you could have a better four months than Brent Venables has had as head coach, right? Now they haven't played a game. And they're not going to for a while. But I get the feeling that the players, the fans, his own coaching staff, everyone is eating it up. Like everything that he's saying, they are taking to heart as gospel and going out there and doing that on the field. And I think the fans are going to take it as gospel and go do it in the stands on in the spring game. I, it just has that feeling right now. Yeah, it I'm expecting a really fun atmosphere, right? When when you basically have the head coach publicly saying, "Hey, we're we're going to bring it, you better bring it." I I feel like I know this fan base very well, and I feel like they're going to respond in a very big way. So April 23rd, people, 3 p.m. Spring game. Be there. And, oh, yeah, Baker Mayfield's getting a statue, too, and uh, everyone loves that guy. So, I just – how about the how about the bring your mouthpiece line when he was talking about going to the SEC? Better bring your it. mouthpiece. It's like, wait, what is he – it's so I love good. It. I love it. It's all great. I, I, for one, hope he has the microphone at the spring game like he does in practice. That is, that's how they've done the practices and the spring game's technically just another practice, but I, you would assume he would, he'll be on a headset because this is, you know, you think, and, and I know that, you know, he's talking about his expectations for his players, like what he wants his, his team to look like all these, the way he wants them to play and all that stuff. But he also, he's never been the head coach for a game. So the spring game, and I know there's, you know, there's training camp. There's, there's a long way until they kick this thing off in the fall, but you would assume that the spring game would be a time for him to see if he can actually stay a little hands off with the defense. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. That would be good. Um, yeah. I'm, I, they still haven't settled on a format, right? As far as I know. No. So and the way they've done practice is interesting. They've got, like, I don't, 
I don't necessarily know if it's like ones and twos and threes or how, how you divvy it up, but they've got like different teams that have different names. It's like crimson and cream and then boomer, boomer and, sooner. and sooner. And then the other one's like pride. Something. Yeah. I, and I like, I don't know. I don't know how those are divvied up. If it's, if it's like a true ones and twos, or if it's kind of mixed and matched in there to where different guys, like, you get different skill levels to where everything is a little more balanced. Like, I don't know if that's what they'll use for the spring game. So I don't know. Let's talk some D line. Okay. If we're going to recreate this old pick of us that mom posted, we've got to get the outfits, right? Well, for some reason I can't find gauchos with a matching shrug anywhere. Let me try on my Samsung galaxy S 24 ultra. I just use the S pen to circle the outfit in the post and bam, five sites to buy it from right here. Shut up. How did you, you- shut it? Mom's coming. Cute outfit. Get me one. <laughs> circle it, find it with the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Upgrade now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. Jeff, why am I always out? Ludicrous. Did you say play rollout? What? No. Jeff, order more. Finding directions to nearest diamond store. Shop for Jeff. Hip-hop for kids. Buy Jif peanut butter. Got it. Adding Jif to your cart. Yeah, now we're talking. Jif peanut butter. It's that Jiffing good. Ludicrous confused his voice assistant for it. Bring your mouthpiece. I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> Such a going to the SEC soon. Bring your mouthpiece. We'll uh, we'll get to that before you know before this thing really kicks off. We'll talk about how the uh the home atmosphere needs to ramp up a little bit. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that in August, you know? All right. T- let's talk. So let's talk all D line. So that is interior D line and edge guys and thought that we should start with the edge guys, right? Because right now from, from everything that I'm hearing, it sounds like the two best players on the edge for OU right now are Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs. And you you look at Reggie Grimes, the size, right? That that's what stands out. He's the size you want your defensive ends to be. 6'4, 266 pounds, just a big dude. And they feel like some things these last couple of weeks, like some things are really starting to click for Reggie Grimes. And very excited about the player he is capable of being. And he's, he started to show some more consistency over the last couple of practices. The guy clearly cares a lot. He, he's talked openly about wanting to be a better leader and kind of embracing that, but realizes that his level of play has to ramp up in order for him to kind of come into that role. But he's a big human. And that th- those are the guys you want on the field. He's the type of guy that, Miguel Chavis needs to turn into a dude because he's just been a guy so far and they need to turn him into a monster. And it sounds like they're pretty excited about the possibility of the type of player this dude can be. Yeah. I I think he's, he's got a lot of really good tools. There's no doubt. I think, I think one thing he needs to work on is uh, definitely strength at the point of attack. And 
you know, that's, that's one of those things that comes with weight room. It comes with technique, but it also just comes with experience. And Reggie's been around for a while now, but he doesn't have hardly any experience. Uh, very little experience um, in the in like real football situations. So I feel like I feel like he's behind the curve on a lot of these things on where he should be, uh, given the gifts that he's got. This is going to be a big spring for him. I kind of feel like he is in the. You know, whenever you're in that mode where you're trying to learn everything and you've got like a lot of pressure on you to perform and maybe you've been put into a role and there's some expectations around you and you're just kind of scrambling. I I feel like he's kind of in that spot right now. But I think if the back half of spring ball goes really well and he has like a big showing on 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 the, the, the spring game or whatever their last couple of scrimmages, I feel like that almost like that anxiety of how he's playing will slow way down and he'll be able to move like a much more confident and seasoned player. There's a lot of like wasted movement right now with Reggie Grimes. And when you see like a seasoned player that knows the defense he's in, knows the offense he's there, everything is it, it doesn't necessarily look slower, but it's just more methodical, right? Does it, that make sense? It looks calm. Calm and easy. Like, like right? smooth. Maybe yes. smooth is the best way to put it because smooth is fast in my smooth mind. Smooth is fast. That's right. And I think that – I don't think he has the confidence level right now because you have to get to like a certain point where you're not worried about your damn job every single day or getting your scholarship taken away from you, or if you're going to get like demoted by your coach, like at some point there comes a calm and you play the game. And I feel like he's kind of in that anxiety type of mode right now where he wants to do all of these things, but there's going to be a moment where it just all clicks and he's got confidence and he slows down and he can do it all and make it look easy. Yeah. But I I think that, you know, it's kind it's kind of hard to to gauge like what we should expect at this point, you know, because they're still in a brand new defense, new coaches, like the practices. I mean, I can't stress to you people enough, like the practices are so different than they used to be. So, but I do feel like Reggie Grimes is one of those guys, like it seems like he's starting to settle in. Just a little, like, long way to go, but starting to settle it just a little bit. Just enough to where the coaches are like, okay, young young man, here we go. This is, this is what it looks like. Uh, this is what we are hoping to see. We just need to see it more often now. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. But, you know, physically, he's got a really high ceiling. He does. I mean, yeah. there's... You know, the potential there, I, you know, he easily could be a all Big 12 type of guy and, and even above that, who knows? Yeah. All right, let's talk some Ethan Downs. Up to 260 pounds, right? So 6'5", 260 right now for Ethan Downs. And I, I didn't think it was necessarily possible, but the motor has gotten even better. Right? Because, right, the, the new coaching staff, very demanding. You know, you got new coaches, 
trying to impress and they're they are uh, let's just say he's taking the uncommon effort thing very literally <laughs> like he's taking that to heart that's good that's what you and want. they think they can make him into a very very good player and the next step for him right because the efforts there like he's a good weight room guy like he's got an attitude like he he plays with physicality the next step for him and it, it's kind of similar to to Reggie Grimes like he's just got to learn how to play the position in this defense like there are you can solve the vast majority of problems on a football field with playing hard like Ethan Downs does. But now it's time for him to get more polished technically. Now it's time for him to continue to improve his football IQ, to understand that maybe sometimes you got to change speeds a little bit. Like there are, there are certain things that as he continues to get more experience and more snaps in this defense, like, he, he already is probably their best edge rusher. So, I, and I think he's still got a long way to go. Like, the kid's got a ton of potential, and they're, they're absolutely fired up about his skill set. But, man, he just – he's still so young in this defense and so young as a player that I don't even know how good the kid could be, but I love the way he plays. He's fun to watch, man. He is. He's fun to watch. I – I like an Ethan Downs to like a he's like a a bomber like a a huge aircraft bomber when all you need is like an Apache helicopter with a little bit of precision you know what I'm saying it's like instead of just wholesale destroying the whole area which just a little precision will go a long way with him and you know, because he wants to go so hard and so fast that it leads to like some, you, know, you, you overrun a play or you overrun a pursuit or maybe you miss something because you're so amped up to go, you know, screaming across the field. But that's a great place. That's where you want to be, right? You want to start with the wholesale destruction and then bring it down and narrow it and get to a, a precision weapon. And I think he's on the way. He's big, he's strong, he's got a great motor. He needs the technical aspects of playing defensive line and edge. He needs to develop some skills when it comes to rushing the passer. He plays too high. Uh, his hands, while he's incredibly strong, he's not great with his hands. Um, you know, all of that stuff comes with experience. And again, I mean, it's kind of the same back, same back to Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs has just now been on campus a year, right? So um, he's ahead of the curve for where most college kids are in this progression. But that doesn't mean that he can't get way better, and he will get way better. And my guess is, I mean, he's just now going into his sophomore year. My guess is by the time he settles in to his junior and maybe even senior year, he may be a – 275 pounder and he may even start playing like if depending on how big he gets like he may be a guy that plays down in a three technique on pass rushing situations if he develops those hands and and that type of skill but that's all way down down the line right now for him 
the uh, the carpet bombing it works at times, but give us some precision guided missiles here every now and then. There, there is a book. I don't make book recommendations on here very often. Actually, I think this may be my first book recommendation I've made in the history of the pod. There is a book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Bomber Mafia that huh. maybe Ethan Downs should read. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's nice. very good. And anyone that's read it is going to be like, wow, what a reference. But yeah, it kind of kind of attacks the uh, the whole whole subject you're talking about there, Ted. It's pretty nice. great read. Highly recommend it. Short nice. book, too. Easy read. Okay, Jonah Laulu, 6'5", 272. So I go, I go back to to something we say a lot i would like for ou to have big humans and this guy is a big dude i mean he's a big dude now i do think he's got to get better in the weight room i mean just from some of the conversations i've had with the strength staff now it's it's not like he's a guy that doesn't want to put the work in he absolutely does but he's got to get better in the weight room he's just got to get strong right and at that size with those long limbs, like that can take time, right? To build when a guy's got long levers like that, it can take time to build strength, but that's why you love him. I mean, size and length, he's smooth, he's fluid, he moves very well at that size. And they've really been pleased with the progress he is making. I I'm excited about his potential and you you mentioned how it's going to be a big spring for Reggie Grimes I think that that obviously goes into the summer and then in camp as well I think Laulu he's got to have a great finish to spring ball and then he has to have an absolute dynamite summer with Schmitty if he does like he's a guy that that can do some, do some things, right? There's been flashes where you see him, whether it's rushing the passer, you know, stuffing a tackle, you know, playing the run where he's using those long arms and you're like, okay, but he just, he got to get bigger, stronger. And once again, I feel like it it is all about the technique with these guys, like a little raw when it comes to the technique on the edge. And, And that's something that Chavis is working with with all these guys but you talk about the raw materials laulu's got them man yeah well he is he's big he's heavy-handed and you know i think i think they were really concerned i say really concerned i don't even know what that means they weren't sure like if he was going to be quick enough on the edge um whenever they were just kind of watching through winter workouts and stuff but it turns out once you put pads on and you got a guy at 6'5", 275 on the edge, he can actually cover some decent territory without really having to go anywhere just by that length that he's got. So I think he's done some really good things against the run. I just like that we, like you mentioned, we've got some big humans that are going to be on the edge of this defense. And most of these guys can run too. So it's not just like you're, you're putting big guys out there that can't run, but um, it's a, it's a way better looking defensive line, especially on the, the edges than than what we've kind of had in the past. And it's a different style. So I like it. I think he's a, he's a great mix. 
I don't know exactly how all of the, the edge guys are going to work themselves out with what the rotation is going to be, but I think we've got some really good options, and I think Lulu is one that's going to continue to get better and better. Yeah, you look at and, and let me know if you disagree, but I think that those are their top three edge guys right now. Grimes, Downs, Laulu. Grimes is 6'4", 266. Downs is 6'5", 260. And Laulu is 6'5", 275. Yeah, big. Remember the last, like, how long have we been doing this podcast? Not that long, but what, like April of 2020? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And, and anytime OU put out a depth chart, what did I always say about the defensive line, Ted? Not big enough. They're just not big enough. Yeah. They're light. I like seeing DNs at 266, 260, and 275. Like I, I like seeing that a lot. One guy that you know, kind of trying to find if he can be a versatile piece for him on the edge is, is Marcus Stripling. And he's up to 240 pounds, brings some an interesting skill set to the edge. Now, I think they feel comfortable having him out there, but he, he's, got, he's got to start making some more plays, right? They're hoping he can make a jump physically. I mean, he's been there a long time now, but he's a guy that I think can hopefully help them as a situational rusher, right, where you can put him on the field, a little more twitch, a little more speed maybe than these other edge guys that they've got, but it's 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 all about him kind of finding a role in this defense or at least that's how I see it yeah I think that's true I mean he he's kind of the outlier size wise whenever we start looking at these guys right yeah he's shorter and he's you know 20 25 30 pounds lighter than these guys so you better be able to fly you better be able to be a real technician when it comes to the pass rush like you can't just give up all of that size and not bring anything extra to the table. So I think you're right. Um, maybe a change up teams that, that do some different things on the line of scrimmage, maybe spread you out a little bit more. Um, I think he could find a role, but he needs to become an expert pass rusher. That's going to be his, his ticket to get on the field. Yeah. We'll see if he can do that. All right. Let's talk some interior defensive line. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. And Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. I saw, I saw that the softball team stopped there. I wonder if anyone got any Java Amore. Really? I hope they did. They better have. They're missing out if they didn't because that coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of your Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, look at that right there. Gabe is modeling. Go to opolisclothing.com, O-P, 
O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off buttery soft and 10% off. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Interior D-line. One guy that I think he's he's got the chance to be the best player on this defense. That's Jalen Redmond. And this staff, what's the best way to put this? They are going to continue pushing him and making it, forcing him to be the best player on this defense. Now, it's it's not like he's he's lazy or anything that like that that's not what i'm trying to say but it is just pushing him past his comfort zone right and that's what they're trying to do with all these guys and i I know that redmond he's he's had some bad luck with the injury stuff like i understand that but they think he can be pretty damn special so they're going to continue to push and push because Man, you see some of these plays in practice. This guy shows flashes of, I mean, big-time play. I mean, I, I don't want to say greatness. That's a big word. But, like, there's some plays where it's just like, damn, that guy's the best player on the field. And that's what he needs to become. That's what he needs to be if he commits himself to being that guy every snap being that guy all the time, not just 15 snaps a game, but 40. If he can do that, he's going to make a lot of money playing football. But the consistency is getting better for him, but it's got to continue to improve. I look at this guy. He is He's pivotal for this defense, man. Because I, I think he's got the most natural power of anyone in the interior they've got. And they kind of need him to become a star. That's yeah. and I know that's that those are high expectations, Ted, but they need Jalen Redmond to become that type of player. They just do. I mean, it's been a long time coming. All right, you're out of time. If you're Jalen Redmond, you're out of time. There is no more next year. This is it. You've been here forever. The dude has enough talent and explosiveness and ability. There should be a damn wake of destruction behind him every single place he goes. Every play, he should be damn near unblockable. But there's the, I'll flip the switch whenever I decide to go. And that's just, not only is it bad for him, it's bad for your team. It's like, we, we got to have consistency. I, I don't care what you can do great one time. 
can you do it 50 snaps a game? That's what that's what this team needs. They need consistency from him. The ability is through the roof, man. But the t- time is up. This is it. This is it. It's all you got. So, I mean, I, I hope he has a great rest of the spring. I hope he has an unbelievable summer with Schmitty and comes in in the fall and wrecks shop because you're right. Like, the sky is the limit. He's got more raw talent and raw potential than anyone that we've had at defensive line in a long time, including Perion Winfrey from last year. Jalen Redmond, like, should blow that out of the water. Just off of, I'm just talking about a raw skill, raw potential. So it's time to unleash it. Let's go. Time's I'm with up. you. And that's why when you hear Brent Venables talk about the defensive line, and the first guy he mentions is Jordan Kelly and not Jalen Redmond, it's about the consistency. That's what Venables and this staff want. They want to know what they're going to get from you anytime they put you out on the field. And credit to Jordan Kelly, right? I mean, 6'4", 286 pounds. Like, I'm sure he's going to add a little more weight, good weight, in the summer with Schmitty. But every coach I talk to, most consistent guy in the interior in spring ball, every single one, Jordan Kelly. Jordan Carroll, he's just he's rock solid. Man, now he doesn't he doesn't have the natural power that Redmond's got. He doesn't have a ton of twitch. He's he's not a super explosive guy. I know I'm making him sound like he's not a good player. It, that's not what I'm trying to say. He's just you know what you're gonna get. He's gonna battle his ass off against double teams. He is going to try to run through the soul of an offensive guard when he's got one-on-one. It's like, he is tough. He's reliable. You know what you're getting from him on the field. And that's what you want. Like, now, do I wish Jordan Kelly, like, had some more natural talent? Like, I'm not trying to, once again, it kind of sounds like just dunking on Jordan Kelly. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's like, he gets the most out of what he's got which is what you want from every player. And I, I've been really impressed with him throughout the spring because every single day he's coming to work and it's, he battles every day. All these physical practices, he's right in the middle of it, mixing it up. Like, and that's why the head coach has come out publicly and said, yeah, he's been the most consistent guy because he has done it every day. I'll take that any, I'll take that any day of the week over a guy that's got all of the talent in the world, but is up and down. Like you never know what you're going to get. If I'm a linebacker, I have to fit off the defensive line. If I get a a run to the strong side, whatever, and I'm a B gap player and Jordan Kelly's an A gap player. I play my B. I'm fine. I play my B gap. Like I can't, if I don't know, and I have a guy in front of me that gets his ass cut off all the time because of poor technique, poor effort, playing too high, he's getting bumped out of his gap all the time. Well, guess what? I've got to find a way to fit off of that and try and make things fit on the front side. I don't want that. I don't 
at all. I don't want that. I want a guy that is in his gap all the time. I'd rather have a guy in his gap being able to play it than a guy that is, you know, wrecking shop every now and then, but he's getting cut off all the time. We've got to have consistency. We've got to be able to build a wall defensively to stop the run. You got to be able to do it 80 times a game. You got to have guys that can play their, their, their responsibility every single time that they're in. You're going to get, because of, you know, playing good people, there's going to be times you're cut off. I, I understand that, but it has to be a rare occasion. It can't be something that happens all the time. And Jordan Kelly is a guy that plays his responsibility, does it with toughness and with effort, and is high level every single day. You need a hundred guys like Jordan Kelly on a football team. If you do that, you're going to win a ton of big time football games. Yep, and he's he's been impressing a lot of people. And now I, he makes plays. Like I want to make that clear. Like he makes plays, but the thing, the thing that I like about Jordan Kelly is what the O line says about him. It's like. You better bring it like, cause you know, you're going to get his best every day on every snap. So you, yep. you better be ready to go. And when, when an offensive lineman's talking to you, talking about you that way, that's a big compliment. Yep. Agree. Yeah. All right. Jeffrey Johnson, two lane transfer. They really like how he goes about his business. Uh, like the juice he brings. I think as he gets more comfortable in the defense and just more comfortable at OU, right? I mean, he's in a completely new place, new coaches, you know, just trying to still get settled in. I I think they'll start seeing some more consistency from him. And remember, he's in a new defense. Like it's it it sometimes takes a while. And he's had some practices where he really flashes. So they know what he's capable of, but I do think he's going to be an important player for them. And I, I think that he's a guy, I know he's old, but that doesn't mean you can't get a lot better. And you, you look at Todd Bates, he's, he's one of the most well-respected defensive line coaches in the country. And that's why he's here. I know everyone thinks he's here to recruit big time defensive tackles. And that is one of the big reasons he's here but he's also here to develop these guys and get the most out of the guys they currently have on the roster. And Jeffrey Johnson's one of those guys, and I think they are going to continue to keep pushing him to play with lower pads, to use his hands more proactively as a pass rusher, and they're really working at it. And from everything I've been told, man, he he wants to get better, and he wants to put the time in. So... There, there's room for growth there, but he's a guy that I'm expecting to factor heavily into this interior rotation. Yeah. And I, I've, I've heard the sim similar things. And, you know, just from my own, you know, being out there just a couple of times and, and watching practice, and this isn't a, a critique of, of Johnson. This is a critique of the entire defensive line, edge guys included. Right in live action, we play way too high, way too high, and I think that is 
a combination of being tired, combination of the offense going fast, a combination of, of being in a new defense and maybe not 100% sure exactly where I'm supposed to be, guessing a little bit, like waiting and looking a little bit. So I think a lot of that's going to come they can, as they continue to drill it and drill it and drill it and and tons of reps. You know, here's the other thing, man. This team, the majority of guys, I know we're talking about Jeff Johnson here, but the majority of these guys, they're getting way more live football work in this spring than they've had in a long time. And especially in college, in the NFL, guys know how to, when it's live action, get down and play low and all that stuff, kind of flip the switch. College players, not as much. You got to be in the fire. You got to learn it and drill it and drill it and drill it. And I think by the time we get to play football in the fall, they will have done so much run drill and combo drill and live football action that they're going to be really, really technically solid once they start taking the game field in the fall. But the whole group, right now can get way better at all those things. Yep. Technique. It's, it's effort with technique. Have you heard a guy say that recently? Yeah. Yes. Says it a lot. Okay. Uh, last interior guy, actually not the last one, but a guy that is doing some good things. Isaiah Co. And you, you look at the size, right? Six, two, 300 pounds. That's that's where you want your interior defensive lineman. And so you like the size. And this is a guy that he did some good things last season uh, bef- before the injury, showing some good strength, especially in, in, you know, fitting against the run, has some flash plays here and there. And God, from all indications, has been pretty damn solid all spring. So it, it's, uh, I like, him and Jordan Kelly, right? Just like the consistency kind of, I I don't know if they're quite at the same level, but you just, you hear similar things about co at least about his on, on field performance that you hear about Kelly, like the dude, he's, he's physical, he's going to battle. And that's, that's the type of player that Brent Venables is going to put on the field. If he can continue to show consistency, like he has this spring, you're going to play a lot of snaps. Yeah. Coe's kind of the same way. Like whenever he's, when he's fresh and he's ready, he's down in a stance and he can fire off. He can, he can play a double team. He's going to, he's going to battle you right there on the line of scrimmage. He's not going to get blown off the football, but when he gets tired, when he gets unsure, whenever he's late getting the hand down and getting ready to play, he'll get blown out of there just like anyone else will. So I think that's the real – that's one of the things with him is just making sure you're always ready to play. Um, I, you know, football shape is a hell of a thing, man. And spring, it's kind of hard to get there, right? Just you have such a short window to get there. By the time you really start to make some strides and in, in getting into football shape, it's done. But I think that – I think Isaiah Coe, 
is one of those players that's really going to benefit from Coach Venable's coaching style. By the time the fall rolls around, he is going to be a dude that is on edge, that is technically proficient, plays low, and is just a guy that you cannot push off of the football. I think Isaiah Coe can go along. He's one of the guys that I'm really excited about just as a like, – I don't know that he's going to have very many flash plays, but, man, I think he's going to be a guy that can really help dominate the line of scrimmage when it comes to the whole defensive line playing as a unit. Yeah, I, I don't know how many TFLs the guy is going to have, but I know he's going to do his job. I know he's going to keep backers clean because he's going to be making, you know, some centers and guards life miserable fighting double teams and grabbing and holding them. Like that's right. He's that kind of dude, kind of a dirty work kind of guy. And that's, that's what you want in your interior defensive lineman. Yep. Totally agree. I, I don't know how strong he is, but dude, he plays strong. I know. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, he's gotta be weight room strong when he's down and he's ready and like he's prepared to fire off the football and the snap, like you're not moving him off the ball, but there's times whenever he gets, gets down late, gets high looking around a little bit and he can be pushed out of there. But when he's down and ready, like short yardage to goal line, good luck. Yeah. Okay. Other guys, who are these, who are the other interior guys you think we got to talk about? Cause you got Josh Ellison, who's played quite a bit last year. And he, he is a guy that has shown some twitch like as a pass rusher you know making plays behind the line of scrimmage but kind of a similar thing like need more consistency right you need to see for every one of those plays he's got you got to see him you know anchoring on a double team and playing his gap like it that that's the stuff for him where that has to continue to improve because he can do some of the other stuff yeah. And then you got a guy like Corey Roberson, uh, Kelvin Gilliam, still a young guy, but who, who else do you think we need to talk about? Well, I like Ellison a lot. I, I think, I think between Jordan Kelly, um, Isaiah Coe, Ellison, maybe even throw Roberson in there. Those guys are all pretty similar, right? And if you can get them all to like where they're all playing at, pretty much the same level, consistent in their gap, taking care of their responsibility, playing with good technique and pad level. Our defensive line is going to have some really good depth across the board, and you're not going to get much fall off. Like the real thing that's going to make us go is, is Jalen Redman. Like really ultimately what you, what you hope is probably Redman and Jordan Kelly on a rotation, like, like that's going to be your premier lineup and they're not going to be able to play every single snap, but when they rotate out, if those other three, four guys rotate in and you don't have much fall off and you've got discipline guys playing low, technically proficient, going to have, that's going to be great for our, our defense. And I think we got the potential to have like a really good, solid defensive line. I mean, we're not, it's not, we're not going to be, we're not going to turn into Georgia in one year. That's not going to happen. But I think this group 
if they can all get consistent, technically proficient, play low, good hands, I think it can be a really good group. I'm with you. And I'll also say, like, and I have not had any conversations with the coaches about this, but there's any really good interior defensive linemen out there that after spring ball, maybe want to hop in the transfer portal. I'm just saying, just saying that wouldn't suck. Wouldn't suck. Cause I, I I'm with you. I think as, as it is right now, right. Redmond can be a special player. And then the other guys solid, right. But if you want to be a national championship type team, you got to have difference makers in the interior defensive line. You just, you just have to. So can, can a guy like Jordan Kelly, like, can he make a jump to being a big, big time, like the confidence he's gaining this spring? Like, can that springboard him into being a game wrecker of an interior defensive lineman? I don't know, but we'll see. And yeah, maybe. Maybe there's some really good defensive tackles that hop in the portal after spring ball, which maybe they'd want to look at OU. I'm just saying. They will. They will. It's going to happen. You think they're going to? I don't know if it's going to happen like, right away in the transfer portal, but it's it will not be long before we start getting um, really high-level defensive line recruits, transfers, whatever. And here's the thing, man. I we can win big with these guys that we've got. I, I, I hate always saying like, we got to get better players in here. There's some truth to that, but I, we can do it with the guys that we have. I mean, we have plenty of talent on this team. There's plenty of talent on this team. As an example, if you go back and look at, like some of Clemson's best teams that they had in what, 16 and 18. I mean, there's a handful of really talented guys, but the majority of those football teams are Jordan Kelly type of players, solid, consistent, reliable, do your job, every single snap kind of guys. That's what, you know, those, that, those, two teams are really made up of a couple of superstars. Absolutely. Yes. But, uh, uh, you know, you got a hundred guys on your football team. You're going to have a handful of superstars, like really what the level of everyone else is. That's going to be the determining factor. And when that level is really high, you got 90 really, really good players and 10 superstars. Then you're on to something. That's a championship level football team. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked y'all, what has you excited about OU's defensive line? Uh, this this first response comes from at SR Burkhart on Twitter, who says, I'm excited and curious to see what outside linebacker in the previous scheme, like Stripling, will be converted to D-end. Clayton Smith, Wete, even Aguebu? I, I would say of those guys right now, Stripling is definitely the guy that was an outside linebacker in the old scheme that is most in the mix at defensive end. That's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, I think that's right. 
Yeah, I agree with Aguibu's that. Aguibu's still an inside backer. Aguibu's still an inside backer. Clayton Smith has I – mean, he's playing the edge spot. Um, he's, got some, he's got some ground to make up. Probably needs to get a little bit bigger. Needs to get more consistent. He's got some tools. He's got some things there that could – that could really develop and turn him into a guy. I think they're just kind of waiting to wait for him to decide what type of player he wants to be. Yeah. Okay. And this other one comes from Ethan price on Twitter, who says more consistently having our best players in the game scheme to maximize their strengths during the most critical moments and plays. Yeah. Some subtle shade thrown, uh, thrown by Ethan at the previous defensive staff, it seems. Yeah, well, uh, there's no doubt about that. You, you I, I like the scheme that we're in. I don't think you need to worry anything about scheme. Scheme is going to be just fine. Um, I think our guys, like, I, I get what the last staff was doing. I do. I get it. Um, now, there's a time to do it and a time to maybe ease back on some of that. Whenever you've really found your, your best players and work those guys into the rotation more. Um, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. I think that's a good thing to be excited about. Yes, that is, that's a great way of putting it, Ted. Uh, I would, I would say the, the rotation will be a little shorter now. Yeah. That's the easiest way to put it. I think it'll be shorter. Like you're going to play a bunch of guys. That's fine. But like once the ball gets inside about the 40, we know who we're playing, right? If at all possible, especially on third downs and stuff like that. Like we got to have our guys in the game. Correct. Totally agree. We have one birthday shout out. One. Did we scare him off? And it was and it was a late submission too. I I don't know what happened. Mm. I, I I guess April not a big birthday month for some for a lot of people. I don't know. Send them in, folks. Don't Happy. let us scare you off. We love doing it. <laughs> we we love it. <laughs> Happy upcoming sixtieth birthday to Matt Waldman. Happy birthday, Matt. Sixty. Okay, nice. I forgot to tell you about this, but we've got a new sponsor, and it's your ad read. It's time to get back out on the golf course, people, and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf. There it is. Gabe's got one right now. Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is coming out in May. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit clubbyseltzers.com. They're delicious. I drink them a lot. I had several this weekend. I had a lot of them. Too many. No, I, I, I was fine. I was fine. I had a lot of them. <laughs> Attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. 
they compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Ensure because clients become best-in-class businesses by, oh gosh, I lost my place. Best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. See, work with Insurica. They'll save you from disasters like my reading ability. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I had to go with the Masters, right? It was spectacular. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We had Tiger Woods back out there in action. Uh, had a really good first round. Fell off from there, which uh, maybe is to be expected with with not a whole lot of uh, competitive golf under his belt in the last um, year or more. So that was awesome. Um, but I don't know who the real winner is. Was it Rory shooting the 64 final day, lowest round, and the way he ended it and and had the chip in there from the sand on 18? Like that was the most most exciting part of Sunday by far. I I was way more into watching Roy, Rory McIlroy on Sunday than I was Scotty Scheffler. And maybe it's because Scheffler's a longhorn. He seems like a great dude. I mean, he's he seems really easy to root for and he was I mean, he was awesome. The entire weekend, the guy was just dialed in and the streak he's on right now was he got like four wins in like two months playing unbelievable. I mean, he's the number one number one player in the world for a reason. But watching Rory McIlroy go on that tear was awesome. Like as as much of a bummer as it was watching Tiger go, what was it, seventy eight, seventy eight? Yep. On Saturday and Sunday, like watching Rory McIlroy have that much fun golfing at. I have no idea what what the hell was that celebration when he when he holed out from the bunker on eighteen. What was that? I don't think he knew. I don't. Sometimes you don't like when something totally hits you by surprise. I don't think you know how to react. I guess that was hilarious, though. It was such a bad celebration, but I mean, it was it was so fun watching and it, Rory's failure at the masters is well documented right but watching it all kind of come together for him who remember he seems he seems like a really cool dude mm-hmm. and loves golf has been you know been great for the game he represents golf really really well i think he takes a ton of pride in that to watch it all come together even though he didn't win he ended up in second by the way i'm sure he gets a huge chunk of change for that 
solo second finish. Mm-hmm. It was fun, man. I, it was like my favorite part of the weekend. That was great. Um, I, the most interesting thing about Scheffler was the vest on Saturday. That's what the whole conversation was, is how many times he put on and took off the Nike vest. Um, we had a group of people around. A lot of people were curious as to why he's doing it. A lot of people were incredibly annoyed with it. I, for one, thought that's a nice vest. I actually like that. Wonder how many of them Nike sells this week. Um, that was like, and maybe that's a good thing. Like, if you're so even kill, the only thing that you've done all weekend, you won the Masters, and the big talk is your vest. Like, that's how you play it low key and just go out and do your thing uh, for four rounds. That was pretty fun to watch. What was okay? So the Scheffler vest thing, I I noticed it. I think he was just trying to like keep the core warm, sure, and yeah. then didn't want to swing with it on, right? So the, completely right. understandable. It's a long walk when you hit the ball as far as those guys do. It's a long walk to the ball. You know, you want to stay warm. But did you see what Colin Morikawa was wearing around his neck on Saturday? What was that? I I don't know. I thought it was maybe a mask that he like that he had pulled down. I don't know. It was like the a neck, neck scrunchie. <laughs> I mean, I wear one of those when I go snow skiing sometime or duck hunting, but uh, it's a big, thick, like warm one. I don't know what I thought it was a mask that was pulled down, but I don't know. No, but he put it over his face a couple times. I I respect it. I am I am to a point in life where. I, I just don't want to be cold. Like I will, I will overlayer. Like I, I guarantee you just whatever, weather it is, I'm not going to be the guy that's cold. <laughs> and I feel like, so when I saw Morikawa wearing that around his neck, I was like, I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. He, he doesn't, he's like, he, he walked out that day and it was like, I know this looks goofy as hell. I don't care. Cause I'm going to be warm and That's he right. was. That's right. Yeah. I, I thought the vest was awesome. I'm, I'm down for keeping the core warm and having access to the pipes free and clear, whatever you need to do. That was great. Uh, um, I, but my favorite thing of the entire weekend is that I didn't have to watch Jordan Spieth's uh, dumbass out there on the course, taking two hours to line up a putt or to hit a ball from the pine needles. That was uh, my winner not having to watch speed because he didn't make the cut. That's right. Did you, were you just smiling like all Friday night knowing that you weren't going to have to watch him on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, that's right. I was, I I thought it was awesome that he took 15 minutes to line up that putt to shoot 78 on Friday and not make the cut. It was great. (laughs) You were, you were just not a speed guy, but I tiger on Thursday was like how much fun was that to watch that was great that was really cool that's what we all all like we got our tiger fix on thursday friday you know it was it was it happened on thursday too like it felt like it took him you know till about the turn to get warmed up and start hitting some shots and feeling good and it was just i think as as everything wore on it just became uh, maybe a little bit too much, but he said he was glad that he did it. 
says he's going to play in the open. So I thought it was awesome. Said he, he may give it a go at Southern Hills, right? Yeah. <laughs> Coolest moment of the weekend, though, was 18th hole with McElroy. He, he, uh, he hits it in, right? He holds out from the bunker and more cows like celebrating with him. And then he does the exact same, same thing. thing. Like the crowd's going crazy. That was awesome. It was great. Uh, McElroy took the high route. He threw it up into the bank and brought it down. And then more went with the other way. It was pretty cool to see that happen. That was yeah. funny. And then there's, there's something awesome about whoever wins the masters and their families right there. God, that's a, that's a sweet moment. Yep, it is. That was cool. Good to see. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with uh, I had to go with Rob Manfred, uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner. In a in a, a desperate act to try and smooth things over with the players after the lockout and how bad the negotiations went and like some of the things that he has said and done since he's taken over from Bud Selig, he thought, I'm going to send Bose headphones to all of the Major League Baseball players with a note, and that should smooth things over. Is there, I, I understand the gesture, but is there anything more annoying than after the fact, when everything's done, when someone... Uh, it's almost like a slap in the face, isn't it? Especially, you know, headphones. I guess we all would love an extra pair of nice headphones, but, you know, there's a point where you're getting something that everyone, like, guys that travel nonstop for, like, games and whatever, they've got great headphones. They don't need a pair of Bose headphones. I just thought it was, I thought it was, um, Right, pathetic and really trying too hard. You're going to have to do something real. Uh, Bose headphones aren't going to smooth things over with the players. Yeah, I, I, I assume that all of the guys that are on an active major league roster already have headphones that they like. But I will say. That gesture, it didn't make anything worse. Right? right. I maybe you know, not. I, I I don't know. Like, isn't it isn't it a slap in the face though? Like after like to try and give me a gift afterwards. Like, and it's not even a real gift. It's like you didn't do anything for each guy individually, which I'm not expecting him to do something for each guy individually in Major League Baseball, but it's like him and his team came up with an idea. We've really got to smooth over relations with the players. Why don't we think of a good, hip idea that all the guys would like? I think the guys like to listen to music whenever they fly around the country. Why don't we get them some nice headphones? A quick Google search says that Bose are the best headphones. Yeah, let's get them some Bose headphones. It just, I don't know. I, it's never bad, I guess, to give someone a gift if it's, if it's real and there's some real intent there. And I just feel like it's, feel like it's another bad move in a long line of bad moves. If you want the players 
to feel better about you, you're going to have to start doing some real things that matter. What are the odds that he got all of those headphones for free from Bose? 100%. Yeah. That's <laughs> if those were in my locker, like, Hey, thanks for the headphones that you got. I, I don't know if Bose is the official headphone of major league baseball. It probably is. There will be like, that's probably like the whole thing. Bose, it probably broke down like this. Bose called. They wanted to get in on Major League Baseball sponsorship somehow. And they thought, hey, what a great way. We can send them to all of the players and do it through the commissioner to try and smooth things over. That's probably how it came, came to be, which, again, is not the right way to smooth things over. Yeah. Do you watch baseball? Like, are you, do you consistently watch it at all? Playoffs. Playoffs. I'll, the same I'll way. watch some like dog days of summer. If I'm sitting at the house, I will put baseball on in the evening as just kind of background noise, but I don't watch any one team in particular. Yeah. I might watch like if Otani's on, I might watch him pitch or, or something like that. I'm the same way. So I basically, I brought that up to tell people like, I, I'm not sure if there's going to be a football guys talking baseball segment anytime soon. When, when the playoffs roll around, sure, we'll mix it if in there. If something happens, this is where baseball will float around into the podcast as winners and losers if something happens. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's get to my winners, my winners and losers. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to snag some of Balcones lineage single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones baby blue corn whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Brooklyn Nets. If if they win their play-in game, right, they're going to be in the 7-8. Remember, uh, whoever loses that game then gets to play the winner of the 9-10 to get in. Uh, they're still doing that this year. But if they win their play-in game, it sounds like Ben Simmons is starting to feel better. We're just dying. We're dying <laughs> on the podcast tonight. <laughs> Uh, What's look, happening to us? You got watery eyes too. Oh God! Yes, Teddy, say something. One second. <laughs> Give me a second. Oh yeah, Brooklyn Nets playing game. It's going to be great. Um, KD leading the charge. Ben Simmons is going to be back. They will not be able to play him late in games at all because the man cannot hit a free throw. But he can play some defense and grab some rebounds. Yes, he can. And I've survived my uh, my episode. <laughs> People on YouTube are going to be like, you guys are dying. What is wrong with you? I'm talking about Ben Simmons as you are dying over there. (laughs) It's just just like, how'd Gabe die? Well, he was talking about Ben Simmons and just coughed himself to death. It started with a tickle in the throat and just really progressed from there. (laughs) Yeah, But, hey, he's starting to feel better. The guy, I, I know we poke fun of him about how he handled things in Philly, but if you get the best out of him, He's a damn good basketball player. I mean, he's six ten, and can just do things that other human beings can't do. So we'll see. But that seems I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that in the positive column for the Nets. But I I also thought about going with Joel Embiid. Became the first international player ever to win the NBA scoring title, which I couldn't believe. I, I thought that was crazy, but. He yeah, is also thought, the first. Hmm, that's great. That is crazy. I thought Dirk would have won it. Or- I know, but I read it and I was like, okay, I guess that's true. And if it's not, blame ESPN because that's where I read it. All right. What's the cutoff for international player, too? Like, I would he assume college. You, being born in a foreign country is makes you an international player. Okay. Are you, are you trying to say that Embiid isn't? an international player because he went to Kansas? No, I'm just, I don't know, like, if there's a cutoff, like, because he was a one and done, right? Yes, Kansas, correct. So that makes sense. But, like, Buddy Hill played four years at OU. Is you still, would that he still be classified as an international player coming from the Bahamas? I believe so. Okay. Because he's... He's not from the United States, so if you're not from the United States, I believe you're always an international player. Which, that's fine. I've always taken an international player to mean, and I'm not saying this is right, but, like, you're drafted and someone's got to, like, translate it to you over there on TV and you're sitting awkwardly with your parents and you don't know what's happening and then they fly you in to some crazy new land that you've never been to. Not the case with Embiid, no. but but still, the first international player to win the scoring title, nonetheless, even though which, it did, which is... It's unbelievable, and I think for, like, his size and his skill set, like, I don't know if there's ever been a player of his caliber that's talked about as little as he is. Yeah, 
Well, around here, like in, you know, national, like national sure. NBA guys yeah. are talking, but, but NBA like Giannis, stuff. Giannis, it was like nonstop about like, like his abilities and all, like, I don't know. It just feels like for whatever reason, Embiid is somewhat flown under the radar. I mean, I know he's like a superstar, but like he's unreal, <laughs> all the things that he can do. Yeah, he's the first center to win the scoring title since Shaq in the 99-2000 season, and I think he's only playing like 33 minutes a game. Like, so he's ultra-efficient. He'll pull it's, up and hit the three on you. I mean, he's he, he'll do everything. He's fun to watch, man. Yep. I mean, he's fun to watch. By the way, my wife texted me and said, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> so my coughing... <laughs> Uh, I apparently she could hear it in the bedroom, which <laughs> where we great. do this podcast is not close to the bedroom. So <laughs> I apologize to everyone for nearly dying mid podcast. <laughs> what is happening to us? But oh, what are the weekend? Amazing. OU softball. OU softball went to Lubbock and whew, they put it on the Texas tech red Raiders and they just, they were dominant in the circle, right? Troutwine, Ball, May, all were absolutely dealing. And they casually outscored the Red Raiders in three games, 43 to nothing, including a 21 to nothing five-inning run rule on Sunday where they hit seven home runs. And I believe Ball and May, yeah, those were the two that combined for a no-hitter. So they are off to the best start in the history of college softball. 36 and 0. They've won 30 of those games via run rule. This team, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And I think I saw this. This is an unverified statistic, but I saw this floating around on the Twitter sphere. Second, third, and fourth longest winning streaks of all time in softball belong to OU. Number one, I think was, was it UCLA? Maybe UCLA like in 1999. Was it 50 games? Something like that. I don't know. Uh, UCLA started the 99 season 35 and up. So that's the streak that they just, that's what they just broke. But I guess maybe it goes from into the previous season, perhaps. Um, yeah. I don't know, but um, awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Yeah, they hit 17 home runs in the three games. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so, hey, I was I was keeping tabs on the Sunday game just because they're kind of bullies, man. I mean, I kind of felt there was a point, and I love it. I was, uh, but there was part of me where I was like, I kind of started feeling bad for Texas Tech. Like they're just mowing them down and they're just hitting bombs. I was like, man, I mean, you can't call the dogs off. If you're Patty, you just, you can't do it. Can't, can't have any sort of weakness creep well, into the program. But the problem well, is there are no dogs to call off. So to speak, like, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to uh, everyone like even sitting on the bench is unbelievable. I, I don't know that that really gets you anywhere. Like you play, like you put in the, there are no scrubs to put in, so to speak, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and if you put the backups in, like they're trying to prove themselves, 
That's right. It's like coaches put me in. Here we go. And it's just, but dang, 21 to nothing. I felt bad. I did. I felt a little bad for tech, like just a little bit. Okay. Maybe I did, but it's crazy, man. The, the separation between like OU and like, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let the softball people talk about like the other teams that have a chance to win a championship this year, but like there's separation between OU and those teams. But, like, even, like, the top, like, eight to ten teams, it feels like the separation with, like, the rest of college softball is, like, massive. But I don't know. Yeah. It could just be me it's talking. It's exciting. Yeah. It's historic. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with your guy, Max Verstappen, to Australian Grand Prix this weekend. was a fun battle between him and Charles Leclerc for a while, but – Another power unit issue for Verstappen's Red Bull car, man. Oh, no. Fix your unit, Verstappen. Come on. Three races this year. Hasn't finished two of them. Ooh. Rough go for the Dutchman. What's he drive? I mean, a Formula One car. What do you mean? No, no, no. I mean. He drives it, for a Red Bull. But what is it? What's the car, though? Oh, do is you it, mean like who makes the motor? I don't. I, I'm not even going to pretend I know that. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, that, that may not even, it. that may not even be a thing. I don't know. I'm sure it is, but well, like, like, uh, Hamilton's Mercedes guy. Like I would think that that's a Mercedes or is it just a formula one car? It's got a Mercedes emblem. on Is that what's what we're talking about here? No, you, the team. Okay. So I see what you're saying. The team builds the car, right? Okay. But I will give a, I will give a quick, a quick Google to who makes Red Bull F1. Because you got like, you got like Ferrari, you got McLaren, you've got Mercedes, Honda, Honda. Oh Honda. yeah, this was a big storyline in the, uh, in the Drive to Survive. I should remember that. It was a big deal when they switched over to Honda. Yeah, well, sounds like Honda's, it's a big deal. Honda's probably getting some, some sternly worded emails. Could be a one-year one year thing there for Honda. They don't get their stuff together. Get their unit fixed. You better fix that unit, Honda. <laughs> but, hey, Leclerc. Oh, I learned a new term this weekend. And okay. I, I'm going to share it with you. So, Formula One Grand Slam. That is the thing. Because Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, he won the Australian Grand Prix. And he had his first Grand Slam. So, that's where you start in the pole position. You win the race, you have the fastest lap, and you lead every lap. Ooh, Formula okay. One Grand Slam, and that was Ferrari's first Grand Slam since 2010. Wow. How about that? Been Nicely done. Yeah. But, and this is, I, I can't even believe we have to talk about this. Uh, my loser of the weekend. I was going to go with Adam Schefter, but I think I'm going to go with Gil Brandt instead. What are, but because Schefter's tweet about Dwayne Haskins' death was bad. Listen, like, the guy just died. You don't need to mention that he struggled to catch on in Washington and Pittsburgh. Like, it's unnecessary. And now he deleted it and, you know, cor corrected whatever, however you want to. But still, it, the guy just died. You don't have to talk about how his career didn't go perfectly. Like, but then to hear Gil Brandt 
say the stuff he said on NFL radio, what the hell, man? I mean, and if you didn't hear it, Gil Brandt, who is a legend, is a Hall of Famer, he basically, he said that Haskins was living to be dead. Said that maybe if he would have stayed in school another year, he wouldn't do silly things like jog on a highway. It's like the guy just died. I I heard it and like I couldn't believe that he said it. I mean, it's just disgusting, man. Like a 24-year-old guy dies he loses his life. And you just can't say something decent. Like, you just have to mention that his NFL career wasn't off to a great start. Like, just say, hey, everyone pray for his family and his friends and anyone he was close to. He just died. Like, I I just don't understand. Pe- like, what the hell is wrong with people, bro? The only thing I could say... And in no way am I making an excuse, but I feel like anytime someone like when there's, cause this isn't, this routinely happens, right? Someone passes away and instantly online there's, whether it's, it's someone breaking the news and, you know, painting them in a picture negatively or something. It has to be that society has become so desensitized to stuff like this that you automatically don't ever even look at the individual person. You're they're told they're summed up only by like however you knew them. I can't like I know what Adam Schefter's role is, but how the hell does he have? How do you send that out? How do you send I, a tweet like that? I have no idea. That, that It just doesn't even make like, any sense. He typed that shit out and looked at it and went, yep, nailed it, and hit send. Th- I, when the dude even, just died. That's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't care. Doesn't give a rip about, like, the whenever he heard the news, I'm sad to say this, but the first thing he thought was, how am I going to get a tweet out there to capitalize off of this, to get likes and retweets and to use this as an opportunity to further what it is that I do. And I hate that that's the case, but you don't even, you don't even, you don't even do that. Who does that? Someone that is looking at it honestly as a human being doesn't send a tweet like that. Someone that is looking at it as a business opportunity sends a tweet out like a business, like a like a NFL reporter would. It's ridiculous. And I don't even know what the hell Gil Brent's saying. The guy's been around the league for a million years. You would think that he'd have a little bit of sense to him. And I, I understand that, you know, when you when you're in the public light, you're you're going to be criticized for all kinds of things. But my goodness, can't we can't we at least give the family and teammates and people that know him just a little bit of time to at least grieve and 
like call one another and talk about some good stuff that happened uh, with him and around him before we start bashing any decision-making. Yeah, I think we all know that jogging across lanes of traffic in the early morning hours is not something smart. I don't think that needs to be like thrown out there and like battered around like he's some type of terrible person for doing that. There, a mistake happened, and unfortunately, the guy paid with his life. And I, I don't, I just, I don't get it, man. I don't know. I, wow. I think that some valuable lesson. And you're right; like it's not just you don't just hear stuff like this about Dwayne Haskins. And I'll, I'll say this from all indications: like Dwayne Haskins didn't play well on the field, but. I haven't heard that he's like just some terrible guy or something like that. So like, but that, I mean, he was 24 years old and you're right. Like, I'm not sure if we'll find out why he was trying to cross the highway the way he was. I'm not sure if those details are come out. Who, Who knows? But when someone tragically loses their life, just, just say, damn, this is awful. This is incredibly sad. Like that, that's all you have to say. Like wish their family the best. The people that knew them, wish them the best. Say you're praying for them. Like anything but throwing in what probably caused, you know, Dwayne Haskins, no one wanted his career to go better than him. Like, and I, it just. Like he was down there training with, uh, with teammates. all those receivers, like he's trying to get better. And I saw Claypool's tweet, like, man, that was that was one of the things. Where it's like, man, that's that's tough. Like he was taking it hard. They just spent a bunch of time together, and then you got Schefter and Brant and whoever else firing off this stuff. It's like, man, I I would love for his family not to have to read or listen to that bullshit right after his death. That's yep. where I'm at with it. It's like, let's have some common sense and let's just be decent people, people. Come on. It's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I hate it. It's, uh, it's sad, tragic. Man. It's sad. Uh, I, I've talked about it before on my radio show, but he was one hell of a college football player. His final year at Ohio State is insane he had like 50 touchdowns to four interceptions something crazy like that including uh not including rushing touchdowns on he was a monster he destroyed Uh, michigan i remember that game six touchdowns i was like oh but yeah the career hadn't started the way he wanted to but it's just we'll never find out if he would have been able to figure it out i'm sad man 24. God. Way, way too young. Yeah. It's kind of a sad note to end an episode on, but just had to, I felt like we had to talk about that. Just don't be that person. Don't be that person. Someone tragically dies. Just don't, don't do that. Episode 204 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
今天。